Good afternoon. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. Temperature is 35 degrees. It's a cold, dreary day, kind of, uh, here in Fishers, Indiana. But we're on a good Christmas mood, right? Feliz Navidad a todos los oyentes, people who are Spanish speakers. Uh, and uh, Prospero Año Nuevo, and, and we're glad that you're here to be with us today. Thank you for be, being uh, listeners, and hopefully you will sign up for the Apple podcast that we have. This is our 10th year of uh, radio shows, so we're excited about that, 2021 that is. And uh, today we have a special show for you, and uh, it's a Christmas show, and it's a little bit different. And we have three uh, guests. We have three guests. One of them is in Bloomington, Indiana. And the other uh, group, uh, the pair, is in uh, also in Fishers, Indiana. Not very far from here, really. This is the first time I think we've ever had a guest other than me from Fishers, Indiana. So that's a, that's a good thing. Now, we're going to start. Um, and uh, I want to remind you that in, in January... I will tell you this ahead, I think we're going to have a Chinese teacher on the show, and uh, one of the best Chinese teachers probably in the country. So uh, that's going to be our treat for January. Um, we're going to start with um, the names of our guests, and we're going to start with Carlos. And his real name is not Carlos, of course, it's Chuck. And Chuck is going to introduce himself and and his uh, his friend Lisa, okay? Carlos. Uh it's Chuck Hodge, and, and we're the couple that's in Fishers, Indiana with you. And also in Fishers. And I'm Lisa Lang Hodge. We're more than friends. We're married. And they're married, of course. And then we have the lone wolf in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, and her name is? Hi, I'm Alex Hodge. Okay, so we have three guests today. Now, let's see if you remember the names, uh, the listeners, right? The first guest is Carlos, right? Chuck. The other guest is Lisa, and they're married. And the, the single person in the group is Alex. And Alex is the daughter of Chuck. So, um, now, Chuck is, um, by profession, a video editor, a videographer, video editor, of quite uh, um, much renowned in the state of Indiana. He's been doing this a long time, editing a video. And uh, this whole project idea came about, uh, Chuck and I started talking, and he was, uh, well, I'm going to let Chuck tell you about it. And Chuck, can you tell everybody about our project and what brought you to Madrid, Madrid in España, and when you were oh. in Navidad in Madrid, when you were there, etc. okay? Oh, that you have talked about Spain many times, and I have seen footage of Christmas decorations in Spain, and I just welcomed the chance for Lisa and me to go to Madrid, and um, we decided to videotape the Christmas decorations in Madrid ourselves, mm -hmm. but we had a really good reason to visit Madrid. And that, that, that reason was... Yeah, because Alex was already teaching English in, in Madrid. English and, is a foreign language. And the purpose of this, uh, what we were trying to do, Chuck also has edited over the years uh, many videos that we've done together. And uh, 
on Spain, Mexico, and uh, South America. So Chuck and I have known each other for a long time, and uh, he's been a great, for me, a great help and a video editor and just does magnificent work. And uh, before we go any further, obviously, I want to thank all three of you for being here. And uh, it's Monday, December 21st, and we're approaching Christmas, and I'm so glad you guys were able to take time to be on the show and talk a lot about Madrid in, in, in Christmas time. Um, so last year, uh, Carlos Lisa met up with um, their, uh, uh, Carlos's daughter in uh, Madrid, and Alex was teaching English in Madrid, and she's going to tell you her, about her love for Spanish. Can you tell the listeners about how, how much you like Spanish, right? Absolutely, yes. I began my journey with Spanish when I was in high school, and I remember I promised my teacher my senior year that I would continue learning and that I wanted to become fluent. So when I went to Indiana University, I declared Spanish as my minor. I went to a university in Valparaíso, Chile, La Católica, for a semester uh, during my undergraduate career. And two years after I graduated from college, I applied for the Auxiliares de Conversación program in Spain. And I was able to move to Madrid and study Spanish and be completely immersed in the Spanish-speaking culture and with the people. And I worked at a high school for a year. It was a wonderful experience. Yes. So since we knew, and, and I've known Alex for a long time through her father, and i known her when she was teach, uh, studying Spanish at Warren Central High School in the day, in the, in the days of, of old. It wasn't really that long ago. Alex isn't very old. and uh, But she's a recent graduate, fairly recent, of Indiana University. And... Uh, brilliant student of Spanish and you as you can tell from her accent speaks beautiful Spanish and so we were delighted to think that Alex would join our little project idea and and Carlos and I and Lisa got together and uh, with with Alex and we had a little script that we wrote and uh, together and worked on it and when they uh, so Carlos decided with Lisa last Christmas they were going to go to Madrid and see Alex and tried to do this little video project, which turned into a big project, as many projects sometimes do. And uh, so we had just, just had a great time getting ready to do the project, and, uh, and now even more so as we go through the beautiful material that you guys did uh, in Madrid last year. And uh, we're anxious, very excited, because this time next year uh, there will be various videos out of this uh, particularly vis uh, particular visit that um, that Carlos did and Lisa and Alex. So we're excited to get on with our video. And we would have probably had the video out had it not been for the COVID situation and how it have ch changed all of our lives and, and how we get around and kind of slowed us up a little bit in, in different aspects. So, um, but at any rate, uh, next year, uh, this time, there will be various videos that uh, will come of this project. And so I thought it'd be fun for the listeners to hear about uh, Carlos's and uh, Chuck's and Lisa's uh, impressions of Madrid and also impressions of um, uh, Alex about Madrid, okay? So 
we're going to start, and you guys, Carlos, why don't you give us an idea of what happened when you got to uh, uh, the airport in Madrid, uh, Barajas there, when you came into the airport, and uh, what, what, what day was it? It was early December, right? Somewhere in the first week. It was about December 11th. 11th, yeah, okay. December 10th or 11th. Okay. And what? Yeah, we were lucky enough, we stayed a little over than two weeks, and we literally spent Christmas with Alex and her roommates. So what a magical time to visit Spain, and I'm not sure a lot of people think of that. And Lisa, what was your feel first when you got to, to Madrid? Were you surprised? Were you excited uh, when you got there? And what, what was your neatest impression right off the bat when you got to Madrid? What was well, I was very excited to get there. Uh, as soon as we got off the plane, we had all our living quarters lined up. We grabbed our heavy, heavy suitcases, hopped on the metro, and were able to locate our apartment. And we dropped our stuff off and went out and enjoyed the city, walked around. Everybody was super, super friendly, and it was just a fantastic first impression. And... Uh... Then Alex had already been there. She, how long had you been in Madrid then at that time? You'd been there several since September, right? Yes, I had been in Madrid shy of three months. I was just about two months into teaching there. So I still felt um, <laughs> very fresh. <laughs> Things were still very new for me. So when, when you were uh, in Madrid right, right at the beginning, what... what um, surprised you about Madrid? Were you surprised the difference in the language versus having been in Chile, you know, where, and then you you got into Madrid with the Castilian Spanish and the dice and ace and all of those things. Was that, was that easy to get used to in the vosotros and, um, and some of the vocabulario, right? It's different. And did, did you like the way orange juice is, is uh, said there and said jugo? What they say, Thumo, yes, Thumo, <laughs> yes, and uh, so, but um, what was your feel for the Spanish? Did you find it a challenge to get into the groove with it for a while? I think that for me, the biggest challenge, uh, and this still continues to be the biggest challenge in Spanish, is simply my own personal language ego. And so I think once I became more comfortable and, in myself and more confident, I actually had quite a fluid time um, catching on to the theta and their accent. It became really endearing for me to hear. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became pretty familiar with their slang. And I think what really helped me was working with high school students specifically because they will rapid fire talk to you and you have to get in the mindset right there with them. So I was actually able to understand the vosotros form pretty quickly. And I think what helps is actually in Chile, they use a vocation of the two form. Right, uh, exactly. You know, Como estai? How are you? So mm -hmm. I think I already had a little bit of that in mm -hmm. my Spanish background. So I was ready to just right. hop on board with it because you have to adapt. <laughs> Exactly. So, mm -hmm. um, what was what was your what were your feelings about your your dad coming to visit, and with Lisa, it, the two, the two get, your two guests there was that uh, 
Was that an interesting situation? Were you excited? I was absolutely excited, but I think also I felt um, a little nervous to be a hostess in a foreign country, uh, to be working at, still at my new job and to also be doing this side project. So I remember there were moments where I did feel a little bit overwhelmed, but I think that all in all, it was a lot of positive growth. And I, I think that we all created some really special memories together too. I will never forget the day that uh, Dad and I were able to go to Plaza del Sol and do the interviews for the video. I had a really difficult time breaking out of my comfort zone and talking to strangers. And as soon as I did, we took off and we talked to everybody. And I think it was a really proud day for both of us. So. Yeah, that that's uh, that is so invigorating and so intellectually rewarding when you actually communicate with the natives and nativos and where you don't know them. And, mm -hmm. uh, and nobody knows it's a challenge and difficult. It, it's very difficult. And Chuck, your dad may have told you that's kind of how I spent my whole career in the summers, you know, is doing that, you know, interviewing. And I started back in 1986, I think it was. And I started in Madrid doing projects. And uh, that was part of the deal. You know, we always were trying to interview. And, and as you saw there, though, you really get a feel for the people. And you get to know the people and you see how friendly they, they are when you try to interview them. But... Uh, and they appreciate that. And, and it's a whole different game when you don't know them, right? It's like, you know, are they going to talk? And some don't. Some people, you know, say no, but most of them will want to talk. And they get a kick out of it. It's, it's, it's a fun situation for them. But um, um, our summer programs that we have, it, that's part of our program, you know, where the, the teachers go out and interview the, the, the people in the streets and they have to gather information and pick up realia and stuff like that. But it's it's very, very important that um, it's good because you, you build your confidence up. Because when you can speak to somebody you don't know, you know, and be understood, that's really good. That's really, really good. And uh, it's easy to talk when you're in a family, right? Or you're in where you're working, right? But when you get out in the street and you're having to to manipulate, that's that's a challenge. That be, can, can be a challenge. Um, so, uh, Carlos, what were your uh, what were your thoughts thoughts about Madrid at Christmas time? What about the climate and things? What how did the people dress at Christmas time in Madrid? It, it was such a, um, a a nice thought for us because uh, there was a, a slightly warmer weather, so most of the time we could put on. Um, just a jacket or a sweater and a jacket. And the natives wore a variety of lightweight coats. Um, some of them were not wearing coats at all. I mean, it was just, a, there was a, a little bit of a chill in the air. Now, Lisa, was were the days, there wasn't a lot of daylight, right? Daylight hours. What time did it get dark? Actually, I think it got dark maybe around five-ish. 5.30ish, somewhere in there, but we we um, layered up on our coats and hats and gloves, and we were out probably like some days, 12 hours a day, walking all day. Like we clocked um, some days way more than 10 miles a day. 
walking. And, um, did, did you think that, um, remember when I mentioned in Madrid, you walk and you rest yes. and you drink and eat a little yes. bit, then you walk, you yes. rest and drink yes. and eat a bit. And it's kind of like, that's how you survive in Madrid, right? It's such a beautiful city and it's so social, right? I mean, you, you know, you get up and you start walking and and then you'll sit down, you'll walk for two or three miles, and then you sit down, then you get up and you walk another two or three miles, and before you know it, you've walked, as you said, 10 miles a day. And it's not hard to do that in Madrid. If it's for the people listening who've, who've not been to Madrid, please visit there soon, because it's a great place to visit. And uh, as you know, in the COVID situation, Madrid has really been hit hard with that. But uh, they are getting in the process of getting the vaccine in Spain as well as in many places in the, in the world. So hopefully this summer everybody will be able to get back to normal. Um, so, uh, Alex, so you're in Madrid. You're living in what neighborhood? You live close to the, the Puerta del Sol, right? You were yes, very I close. Yeah, I could see um, El Palacio Real through mm-hmm. my balcony window. Wow. It was right there, so it was right by the Opera Station and, um, yeah, Plaza del Sol and Plaza Mayor, they're right there. So, so I don't know technically if I was in Sol. I don't know which barrio I was in. No, I you, it sounds like you were more over by Opera, right? Opera? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So, right there. Yeah. So were, what was the name of the restaurant? There was a really nice restaurant, great, famous, it was kind of like a bar restaurant, and it was over there in Opera. I can't remember what the name of it was. It was all. Gl- it was all glass. Do you remember that one? Pretty much all, all glass. glass. Yeah, kind of glass. It's right across from the Palacio Real, you know, on that uh, the main street there, but on, on the other side. Uh, and then I uh, know the area you're talking about by the fountain with yes. the turf grass plots. Yes. It's a really beautiful place. Everyone spends time outdoors yes. on the west yes. side. Yes. Hikers yes. will come. Everyone walks their dogs, but I don't know the name of any of those restaurants. We have a little bar, a little cafe bar where we have our methods class uh, with our program, and we always go over there. It's right, it's in it's in Opera over there, and uh, mm-hmm. it's the neatest little place. And we have breakfast there, and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, so, your your uh, experience in teaching English was very positive, right? That you really enjoyed it and. Yes, I did. It was positive. Of course, there is a learning curve to entering into a new culture and especially um, a new culture in a classroom outside of the United States because Spanish children are not expected really to sit still and be quiet and raise their hands. (laughs) There's much more of a vibrant culture in the classroom where you challenge your profe, you know, you, you interject a lot more in a Spanish classroom as a student. And, um, I am pretty laid back as a teacher, so I'm never really a stickler for rules, but even for me, sometimes the volume in the classroom could in and of itself be very overwhelming because just culturally it was a shock. Yes, it's, um, you know, that's, uh, I think a lot of that started back in this, probably in the 70s. But anyway, when uh, uh, Felipe Gonzalez became president after uh, Franco left and died, uh, there was there was a problem with the young people. 
you know, mm -hmm. because they were not used to having freedom. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, everything had been very strict in, in schools and in uh, their social life. And so it became a problem for parents, I think, and the educators at that time, you know, that for the kids to get used to having these freedoms that they had not had before. And uh, some of it still carries over, I think. But uh, so let's talk about Christmas, right? So you guys are in Madrid, and um, what about uh, your your favorite places during this visit, Carlos, that you thought were really cool places for the video, for lights, let's say. What about the lights? What what were the fam favorite places? I think we were, um, Lisa and I were both amazed that you go down these calles and they have particular light patterns on each calle. So you might see one pattern on one calle, another pattern on another calle. So Alex was very close to um, calle Mayor, right? Casa Mayor. Yeah, Casa Mayor. yeah the, the same. So that was beautiful. And we, um, I just kind of liked Calle de Arenal um, because it was, it, it was mm -hmm. there were, I think that's the one that has no cars, but there were street vendors, shops, and the lights, you know, it was diagonal and the lights just went along. But, yeah. I mean, just one turn after another, the lights are beautiful for Christmas. What I've just you, never been in a city like that. Yeah. Lisa, what did you think of the, the neighborhoods? How beautiful the neighborhoods. neighborhoods were wonderful to walk through. And of course, we had to stop at um, the different places to get tapas and um, stop in all the bakeries and the ravioli shop. Um, and fresh, fresh ravioli. Of course, stop and get some wine here and there. And then the food is outstanding, right? The food is just to die for. And the tapas and all the you know, the seafoods and the uh, the cochinillo asado and all those great, great foods, just magnificent. Um, so, Tom, can I just interject something about yes. the food? Because I feel as if some people who have visited before probably know restaurants to go to, or Lisa and I had never been to Madrid. Right. So when we found a restaurant, it's because we stumbled on it. And I guess I just want to share with everybody, we had wonderful surprises. I mean, we would stop because we were desperate for food. <laughs> and then we would discover something funny and enjoyable and delicious. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Lisa, uh, Alex took us to a restaurant and we ordered hot chocolate. And what we got was the, the, the gooey chocolate that you dip the churros into. Yep. So I just want to dispel that you have to know the restaurants. We did not. No. you And that's the fun part of Madrid. And one of the neat parts, that there's so many great places to eat. And they're everywhere. And you, as you said, you just stumble onto them. And Thank then you, you rare, rarely go back because you're not there as long as you want to be. So you, go, you don't go back to the same one because you always find new ones, right? And when you start yes. walking and you're... You're walking, you know, 10 miles a day, eight or 10 miles a day. Then you run into all these different neighborhoods with different store, different uh, foods. Uh, so some of the restaurants, I think we talked about this before uh, you guys left, but there are restaurants in the neighborhoods, though, that, that with the tapas, 
that some of them have certain tapas they're famous for, right? And so that really makes a difference, you know, for that part of it. Um, Lisa, what do you think about uh, the the Puerta de Acala and the Calle de Acala? Did you like it like that a lot? The street of Acala or not? Trying to remember the what street in the middle of the, of the circle, right near um, Parque Retiro. Bar yes, it's right by Parque de Retiro, and it's this really Parque large Trio. structure. Yeah. And there was a it's right across light. from the entrance to the Retiro, right? It's uh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it in the old days that was that road that went out that way took, took you to the, the town of Acala de Henares, that's where Cervantes supposedly was born. And um, but it's also where the University of Akala is, which is a famous, beautiful university. Um, so, um, what about the um, the ice arena, the ice skating? Uh, you guys went to the Palacio, right? Or you didn't? But you saw when, there was the little ice skating rink by Reina Sofia. By Reina Sofia. Right, that's the one you went to, right? The one by Reina. Yes. Yeah. So, we, didn't, we didn't go ice skating, but we watched the skaters, and we did go into the museum. Museum. So, so what about um, the Plaza Mayor? What were some of the neat things about that with the Christmas idea? Were there any uh, crib scenes there? The, they, in, uh, Alex, what do you call crib scenes in España? Do you know that one? I completely forgot. <laughs> Los, Los Belenes. Belenes. Los Belenes. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like Bethlehem, Belen, huh? yeah, Los Belenes. So did you, there were some there in Plaza Mayor, right? One big one, I think. Yes, uh -huh. well, and there was also a, a winter market. So Plaza Mayor is really heavily trafficked because yes. it's right next to the famous Mercado San Miguel. What? And then... Can you tell everybody about San Miguel the Mercado? What a neat place, right? Oh, it's wonderful. Yes. The building is so old. Um, it used to be an open-air market over a hundred years ago, I believe it was like that long ago. The structure has been there and they created um, a closed market, but with all glass windows from top to bottom to keep, to maintain that classical feeling. But it is delightful and it's absolutely a tourist trap though, because that is the most expensive place I've been in in the entire country of Spain. Yes. Food is not that expensive, Yes. but uh, the cuisine is delightful. And I lived dangerously close. I lived half a block away. So some nights I would sneak out of my apartment and I would go <laughs> and buy the calamares and they were 14 euros. It was extremely expensive, but super rico. So. <laughs> yeah, the ca the calamares are to die for in Madrid, right? The calamares are just uh, the, to die for, right? And uh, they're delicious. And I love the bocadillo de calamares as well. And there's a really famous uh, bocadillo shop that was just right on one of those corners when you walk through a little tunnel headed into um, Plaza Mayor. Now, it's like Super can, famous restaurant. Can you tell everybody what the, the calamares and bocadillos are? Because yes. a lot of the, some listeners don't know Spanish, right? So, Yes. So the bocadillo is simply a sandwich. And it's made out of what I guess would be sort of like a, a traditional um, French bread in a way. And uh, bocadillo de calamares is simply a little piece of French bread usually with mayonnaise and fried calamari, and they, if you ask, 
They'll give you lemon on the side. They're killers, yeah, they're to, to, to die for. And the other thing, I always, there was another thing that was really good were the uh, langostinos, remember? They were called, uh, I, you know, they're the big shrimp, right? The big, and then they were in, oh, oh, the ajo de, what was it? Ajo de, no, algo de ajo, ajo de, I can't think of the word. It was in garlic, you know, the shrimp, the garlic sauce. Mm-hmm. Did you guys have any of that? I don't know. Yeah. I did not. Yes. Yeah. That. I surprisingly, we had that at um, Zucar. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Ajo de... I can't remember that. what that word is. Isn't that awful? Oh, How about... Camarones? Mm-hmm. Camarones? No, it was... It's uh, ajo de... I can't think of what the word is. There's another one, ajo de... De gambas? No, <laughs> I can't. I'll think of it in a minute. Okay, now, moving on. How about the turon, mazapan? Anybody run into that? Turon. Oh, yes, I went to the famous San Quiles, and I had... Oh, wait, turon? I'm thinking of something else. I was thinking of chorros and porros. Okay, <laughs> that's okay. We'll do that one right now, too. So where did you, where'd you go? Where did you say you went? I went to San Ginés. It's a really okay. famous place right off of uh, okay. Calle Arenal, kind of in between Calle Arenal y Calle Mayor and Calle Mayor. There's a little alleyway, and there's a really famous old restaurant. Uh, gosh, I think it is also over 100 years old. Okay. And there's always a line to get the churros, and they give you a little cup of that really magical, thick, hot chocolate. It's almost <laughs> like pudding. And it's delicious. <laughs> they are incredible. Yeah, that's you did. That was a great job of explaining that one. Good. How about <laughs> turron? What about that turron or mazapan, Carlos? Did you guys have any of that? We we took pictures of turron, and uh, but I don't think we ever ordered any. You you got turron for me for Christmas, right? Right. Yeah. Or just a, a slice. Yeah. Okay. You know what? My roommate Mary has a sweet tooth, and she ate it all. Oh, <laughs> who was the girl in the video? I forget her name that you were with quite a bit. She wore glasses. What was her name? Uh, 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 Natalia. Uh, Natalia, right? Natalia. Okay. Natalia. Yeah. So she was my roommate. Yeah, Turon. What would you? How would you explain that to the listeners? Turon, uh, Alex. How would you explain that? If I remember correctly, because uh, this was a year ago, and I think I only had a bite, but it was somewhat of a a chocolatey treat, Um, but the the texture of it is sort of difficult to describe, almost like it had um, like a a malt taste. Yes, yes. Um, So it's it's tasty. I I find it really difficult to describe, though. It's not as thick as a fudge, and it has a little bit of a crunch. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I know you guys were, you went to Toledo, right? And there you, did you run in, in, in did you uh, come upon any mazapan in Toledo or not? I did not, we did not buy any marzipan or chocolate. Okay. Um, which is surprising, I love marzipan. Now, we did have some pastries, and what's nice there, when you buy any dessert or treat or chocolates, they wrap it up like a little present and put a ribbon on it, which was wonderful. Uh, that, oh, was that in Toledo or in Madrid as well? Uh, Toledo and Madrid. Both, both Did places. You? places. We got treats in every place. Yes. But yeah. 
So uh, back to this, um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Puerta del Sol. Uh, there was a nice tree there, right? In the video, I, I recall they had a fairly big tree. It was lit up. And then yes. so oh, the Christmas tree. Yes, and then uh, yes. and then the the uh, the also right. The also was there. The yeah. uh, Alex, can you explain about the also? What that stood for years ago? You know, I knew that the the also the bear was famous, and it is this like large. I don't think it's copper, but maybe brass statue yeah. with a bear holding up the tree. And also el madroño. The tree was a madroño, right? And madroño. that that was the name of the tree. And they say that it was a, a sweet tree. Sweet fruits were on it. And the bears would get up in the tree and try to get it, you know. And, and they were on the outside of the city in the old days in Madrid before it was settled hardly at all. And, uh, oh. and it became the symbol of Madrid, the old, uh, el de el madroño. And... Uh, the um, so what about customs at Christmas time? Were they similar to ours, Carlos, or were they different? Um, we noticed that, I mean, for example, we visited a small fruteria, mm -hmm. and we were surprised that he was open Christmas Day. So their custom was to exchange some regalo in the morning, but then go back to work. So. Because they were waiting for January, the the proper celebration of January sixth. January sixth. There right. you go. Right. So that was a big shift or cultural difference for me. Yes. Uh, so when when they talk about then the the, the three wise men bringing the gifts to the kids, um, so um, Alex, were you able to go? I don't think you went, if I recall. You didn't. But you probably got a lot of info about this at midnight on the at the Puerta del Sol when they eat grapes, right? Yes. What? <laughs> it must be madness, right? I'm sure. It, it was extreme madness. I actually ended up not leaving my house on New Year's that last year because I, I was sick. And I because I lived in such a high tourist trafficked area, it was just wild it was loud and i knew down the street there were hundreds of people congregated <laughs> together so, so everyone yeah. everyone talked about the grapes i did not partake unfortunately but maybe next year <laughs> so for the listeners every at, at midnight uh, the bells ring there and uh, uh, every time the bell rings it rings 12 times you're supposed to eat a grape for good luck for the 12 months of the year so if, if you ever go there and things, if you can uh, weather the crowd, it is a crazy crowd at, at, at that time sometimes. Um, so the Christmas lights are different or not? Were they pretty similar, Lisa, or were they different? Um, it was really pretty having all the Christmas lights strung down the streets, which is, I think, different from here because the streets are narrower and you can just walk everywhere. So... It was just colorful, and when you're walking around at 10, 11 o'clock at night with the throngs of friendly people, it was a lot of fun to sightsee and people watch and see, like, the different street performers. So, Alex, when you did those interviews, what did you find out about the people that you didn't know or 
uh, that something new that you found out? Well, oh goodness, it was quite a long time ago. Uh, I was surprised, but then again, not so much because Madrid is such a cosmopolitan, but a lot of people were from outside of the country, but still Spanish speaking. So many people were tourists just coming to visit. From, from, but really, from Spain, yeah. right? Many I, I noticed that in your interviews. There were a lot of people from little towns in Spain who had come to Madrid, the capital, and they they yeah. went, they were there to visit. Yeah, that was that 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 was a uh, intru- I was surprised at, but a lot of uh, local you know Spanish towns that came to the big city. I guess. Uh, what yeah. al- what else did you notice that? Uh, did you were you surprised at how easy it was to talk to him most of the time? It wasn't yeah, terrible. Yeah, I was. Yes, I, I was surprised by um, how friendly they were and how actually excited a lot of them were um, that I was speaking to them in Spanish. Like I think that oftentimes, unfortunately. People from the United States have a very bad reputation, and it's really unexpected for them uh, when they find out that we speak Spanish. I've often been mistaken for um, being German. Most people are, assume that I'm German, and I'm like, I'm actually not. I'm from the U.S., and they are so happy about that. But um, it, it is it is surprising, though, isn't it? It 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 that the American people sometimes go to Madrid. Not all of them can speak Spanish, and, and sometimes right. very few can. And it's, it's very refreshing for those for the people to, to be able to be with the American people who are bilingual and, and really speak the language well. Um, yeah. So um, back to this um, Christmas idea of any, are there any Christmas customs, Alex, that you picked up on while you were there? Mostly just really just from briefly talking to people or even talking to my students um, or my colleagues, it seems to be actually not so dissimilar from how we celebrate Christmas. Everyone that I talked to had a favorite food that they loved, that their family prepared and they couldn't wait for. Um, Many of my students talked about having a gift exchange with their family. Um, I don't know if they set up trees and decorations in their houses. I did not ask, but I assume something of the like occurs just because of how lit up the city is, how festive the city is. So did did you think it was as religious, the the atmosphere was as religious or not? Spain in general has a religious atmosphere. Um, That is definitely something I picked up on. I did not ask people personally, perhaps because I don't come from that background. I didn't intuitively ask that question. So Spain is obviously Catholic. We understand their history is right. quite intentionally and strongly Catholic. Yes. And you see a lot of the Catholic icons throughout Madrid during that time. Right. Um, but there are so many immigrants that it, it's it's hard to tell in Madrid specifically um, what's being sort of washed over did by that, how many people are foreign. Carlos, did that surprise you how many immigrants are in Madrid? I mean, like Chinese, there's a huge amount of Chinese in Madrid in their, their neighborhoods, the, the Muslim people. There, there's a lot of Muslim folks there. 
And, you know, so did that surprise you or not, Carlos? Um, you being a capital city, I don't think I was surprised. We were not exposed to too much. We right. visited a Greek restaurant, for example. So, I mean, you feel as if you're around some Greek culture. Um, but it was um, fun to see the differences in the crowds as we went through Grand Via and things like that. Yes. Gran Via. <laughs> Don't ever forget about Gran Via. I always called the Manhattan of Madrid. <laughs> the, the shops and things, right? So yes. did, did you did you ever get to uh, Calle Serrano and uh, some of those stores along Calle Serrano and up there by the embassy over where the embassy is? Well, on the Castellana right there, a lot of those, those uh, streets nearby. Some of the stores there are just magnificent, yeah. What about the the, the, the Castellana, the, the Paseo de la Castellana? Did you go there much, Alex, or not? Which neighborhood is that in? That's the, the big street that goes right in front of Plaza de Colón, right? Plaza de Colón and the Biblioteca Nacional. And if you go down that, that whole street, it's the Castellana. Yeah, it, pretty much. And, and the um, temporary shops, there's a long tent that had temporary yeah. Christmassy shops. Yes. We, we yes. did not, I personally did not spend much time there. Uh -huh. um, I did a little bit of reading, of course, about uh, Spain's history with all of its famous writers. So yes. um, I read about the National Library, and I know that there is a famous sculpture of, I think, Lope de Vega in front of it. Yes. Or Cervantes. Yes. <laughs> I think but, Cervantes, yeah. And okay. probably both of them. I, I know Cervantes in front of it. Uh, yes. Did you ever get to the Barrio de las Letras where uh, Cervantes lived over there and Lope de Vega? I actually didn't. So I did a lot of research about that area and I actually have quite a good image of See, that area in my mind. Well, that's a good reason for you to go back, right? Yes. <laughs> so you, that's the fun part of Madrid. There's so much to see. You could spend a lifetime there, really. And uh, yeah. never see everything. Um, so, did, uh, Carlos, did you think it was more social in Madrid than here? There was more social people out in the streets, socializing, getting together than you see in yes. this country? Yes, that's my assumption. I mean, we saw people, as soon as we stepped out of our Airbnb, we saw people bumping into each other and talking. Okay. And... and uh, you know, I mean, there are so many people on foot. I just sense more interactions among the people. Okay. So um, you're over there. You guys are doing the video and, and observing, watching, visiting, being a tourist, being a videographer. So out of all of that, do you think you'd ever want to go back to Madrid? Absolutely. We can't wait to go back. Uh, even if it means going to the same places again, we just can't wait. There's and the fun part is to be there in the summer, right? I mean, that it's, it's, everything is open and everybody's out in the street. And you know, they always say in Madrid that hardly anybody ever sleeps in the summertime, you know, and they're out and about. It's, it's just beautiful time to be there. Alex, were you there in the summer? You got there when, in September? 
Yes, so I was in Madrid during a very interesting time. Um, I experienced the extreme COVID lockdown in Madrid beginning in March through April. And then in May and June, I was still in Madrid and we were permitted to be outside during specific windows of time. Mm-hmm. And so during those walking windows, they called them, I was able to experience the city. And, um, you know, I'm actually very thankful for that experience because like you said, the weather's just turning and becoming so beautiful and you have access to these gorgeous public green spaces. And um, I had such a small town feel in such a large city because Every tourist had cleared out and all that was left were people who were really rooted in Madrid at that time. And so I became friends with the local shop owners and I started recognizing people on the streets and I took a beautiful strolls through their immaculate rose gardens and got to know the river walk. And it is just such an intimate and beautiful place. It is. Um, It's fascinating, right? It's just never stops it's all the things you can do and see and in, uh, in, in Madrid and uh, uh, I remember I guess it was a couple years ago uh, Jill and I my wife Jill we were in Madrid and uh, uh, we were uh, I was there with my summer program but I was doing this project on the side about uh, Gustavo Becker the famous poet one of the great poets of all time in Spain and uh, there was a park where he, they celebrated Gustavo Becker. Didn't even know it was there. And I'd probably been to Madrid many, many times over the years, probably thirty times, twenty-five, thirty times. And so I didn't. And I had to, we had to find this park, and it was really isolated. And we started walking. And it was hot this summer. It really gets hot in Madrid, especially in July. It's the end of July. It's about one hundred and five degrees. We're walking down the street. And hoping that we run into a tree, you know, the shade tree. There's there's quite a few around. This area was wide open, kind of, but we found the park and this beautiful statue of Gustavo Becker. Who would have thought, right? And because uh, he was he was in the barrio de las Letras as well, and he spent quite a bit of time. He he actually got married in the church there in San Sebastián. Uh, oh. Gustavo Becker did, yeah, uh, in in the barrio de las Letras. Um, so, but at any rate, um, of all the things that you did in Madrid, what was the, the most fun thing you did, Carlos, that you liked the best? Um, gosh, I tried to, to, we, we, like any child should, we enjoyed stopping and listening to Cortelandia outside of Corte Inglés. Um, I think we enjoyed being at Parque Retiro with Alex and her friend. It was it's such a huge park and beautiful and, park, right? Yeah, I just beautiful. I'm so glad that we got there. And uh, also our little meals that we found that I mentioned earlier. Those we just keep talking about those and can't wait to get back. Lisa, what about you? What was your favorite thing? Well, one day when Chuck and Alex were videoing all day, I hopped on the Metro and went to the Bullring and had a fabulous, fabulous tour of the Bullring, which was amazing. 
Yeah, um, that's a, a that's at Ventas, right? Ventas, uh, the the bull arena there. That uh, just fascinating place. A lot of history there, right? Just tremendous amount of history. Um, Hemingway used to go there a lot and and see the bullfights, and they actually have a place where he used to sit in the bull arena. You can sit. I think it's Pauco Dulce or something in the in in the arena where where he used to go to the bullfights um but um so th were you surprised that all the fun things there were to do in madrid lisa you know i think so because there was i mean we went tango dancing one night and everybody was so friendly there <laughs> and a glass of vino was only like two euros so what's not to like about that yeah, the, um, the vino is the vino is cheaper than the coke coca-cola right yes. yes and then you only oh, get you... you get one of those little cokes right and they're like seven dollars right. five dollars well euros are about five euros three euros or five euros and uh it it is it's it, it wine is very inexpensive there um so and alex what about you what was your favorite thing of the whole time you were there oh i have a few <laughs> so my number one favorite thing to do um, in any new city is to walk around and to familiarize myself with the streets. So one of my favorite things to do in Madrid was to simply take an evening walk throughout my neighborhood because you have these classical cobblestone roads and beautiful buildings that are like light pink and salmon colored or blue or sandy yellow. And it was just magical every time. I ran into some new landmark and learned a new piece of history every time I went for a walk. So I absolutely adored that. And um, I am a really big Hemingway buff. So I think stringing together a lot of the landmarks and history that he integrated into a lot of his novels, like For Whom the Bell Told or, or The Sun Also Rises, um, just learning about those streets and places he actually went, like Botines, the oldest restaurant in the world, where he ended the final scene of The Sun Also Rises. It was right down the street yeah. from my house, uh, and he used to have his own room there to write. He, and I, when I stood in front of that restaurant for the first time, I cried. And there, it was just a very surreal there, feeling. There's another place at the Plaza de Santana. It's called the uh, Cerveceria Alemana, the German uh, beer house. And mm -hmm. he had a place there, too, where he wrote. And the desk is still there. And he would look out onto the plaza while he was writing. And now, just if you like Hemingway, you should go to Cuba as well. Because Havana, Cuba, Hemingway was incredibly popular in Cuba. So there's a place in Cuba, in Havana, uh, where he stayed, Ambos Mundos. It's a famous hotel in Havana where Hemingway stayed. And he would go down and he had his, he drank quite a bit, as you'll recall. And he would walk down the street, four, three or four blocks, and there was a bar there called the Floridita. And there he would have, uh, you know, uh, yeah, he, he would do the, um, uh, the, the, uh, the mojito, and he'd have a mojito. And then he would go over to another place, another bar called the, um, I always forget the name of it, I've got a picture of it over there. Uh, medio algo, medio, can't think of the other word. But he would go over there and he'd have another drink, you know, and he would do um, uh, um, the daiquiri, daiquiri. And uh, 
there, there uh, is a town, I think there's a town called Dakiri uh, that became famous, and I, I can't remember exactly the, but he, he had a lot to do with some of the drinks that became popular there. And then the, there's a, 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 a marina named after him, the Hemingway Marina. And uh, there's all kind. Of, and he had, had had a house in Havana where he lived, and it's now a museum. And uh, but he did a lot. He did the old man in the sea, in, in when he was in Cuba. And uh, so, uh, and there's a town in Chicago. I mean, a place in Chicago. About do you know about that place? Where no. he went to high school up there in Oak Park, Chicago. Oak Park. I thought high, it was in Michigan. No, he he graduated from Oak Park High School. In Chicago, and they used to have a running of the bulls, and his honor there. And they would instead of bulls, they had bicycles, and they put horns <laughs> horns on the bicycles. So yes. So anyway, Hemingway's a, yeah, he's a, a great, great, great writer. He did did a lot for Spain. You know, he always you know the sun also rises, death in the afternoon about the bullfights, and and for whom the bell tolls. And then he did the things in Cuba, and. Uh, it, it was interesting the connection between Cuba and and, and Madrid, you know, and Spain for, for Hemingway. Um, so we're going to probably say that um, you guys can't go back tonight, right, to Madrid. I don't guess we can't get there yet, right? We're still quarantined, right? Right. We can't right. leave the country yet. So, um, but. Uh, we ha do have to get this video done, so I've got to get rolling here. And uh, so we'll certainly have it done well before next Christmas, and hopefully that uh, some of you listeners will be able to see the video, and video is probably plural because there's a lot of uh, great footage that Carlos did, uh, and uh, uh, Lisa helped out a tremendous amount, as did uh, Alex with her beautiful narrations. So uh, we're excited to get this thing rolling and, 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 and get it off the ground really well. Um, I do not have any other questions for you guys. Um, do you want to say, uh, give a Christmas greeting to the listeners real fast in Espanol, Alex? Feliz Navidad. Okay. And... Oh. Lisa. Feliz Navidad a todos y que te vayan bien. Bueno, gracias. Eh? Muy bien. Eh? Lisa, ¿tú vas a decir algo? Ha Prospero Año Nuevo. ¿eh? Muy bien. O you can decir felices fiestas. Felices fiestas también is happy holidays, right? And for the oyentes out there, felices fiestas a todos ustedes and uh, a vosotros también. And we're gonna now we're gonna celebrate es que un brindis, eh? We're gonna have a brindis. Y dicen chin chin, chin chin, brindis, eh? Muy bien. Que viva España, eh? Que viva Madrid. Everybody have a great, great uh, Christmas. Feliz Navidad, Prospero Año Nuevo. And we'll catch up with everybody on Tom's World Language Cafe. And uh, it's coming soon. Uh, we're gonna have a Chinese teacher coming up, okay? And everybody have a great Navidad and cuídense. Uh, uh, be careful and uh, avoid the COVID, okay? And the vaccine is on the way, eh? La vacuna. Okay. Buenas noches. Que descansen, eh?